Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. It's mad to think that we automatically as babies start to learn language. We learn language through watching, through listening, through trying, through experiencing. Language is not just spoken, it's also in facial expressions, it's also in our body language. It's in the things that we do and how we show up. But we are never ever taught how to clearly communicate. Welcome back to the Menopause Coach Podcast, where today I am taking you inside an area that I have quite accidentally become so well known for inside my company, my team, and with my clients for so much, in fact, even my family, (laughs) for so much so that they have all nicknamed me the Boundary Queen, which feels a bit fun but also a bit like wow like this is quite cool so I want to be able to share with you a little bit of an insight I'm going to tell you a little story as well on what becoming a boundary queen actually means because we hear this a lot right we hear this a lot about having boundaries in place and we're kind of a bit like wow like that feels a little bit crazy that we would have to put those in place but we do so Having and setting your boundaries is so important for your health, your happiness and your success. And I absolutely categorically know that without the boundaries that I have set over the years, I would not be as happy, as healthy and as successful as I am now. And it hasn't been easy. It's been more of a mental thing than a physical thing. And I want to take you through this and give you 10 tips to becoming a boundary queen from one who is apparently one. Now, there was a time when I was, and this is many, many moons ago, many moons younger, and I would have shown up for everyone, everyone else. I would have said yes to all the things that I didn't want to say yes to. And, you know, I would probably said no to things I wanted to say yes to because others had said no. So I was very much one of these people pleasers, crowd followers. And I even went to university just to prove a point that I was good enough. There's the perfectionist coming out, right? Perfectionist mentality. And that pretty much, it sounds a bit crazy to say that, right? But that pretty much came about because my deputy head teacher at high school had told me that I'd never get the grades to go to university and that college would be better for me for the line of work that I wanted to get into. So of course, the stubborn, I will prove you wrong inside of me, Adele, went, well, okay, I actually value what I value more than what you're telling me. And I'm going to put some boundaries in place around that. And I'm going to make sure that actually I double down and I make sure that I do get the grades to go. I did and I went. And I'm actually going back to university this month to start my master's in psychology and human behavior. So that's quite cool, right? So it just shows us that when we have some boundaries set around where we want to go and what we value, we can absolutely achieve that through a happy and successful way. Now, I was the girl who, on one hand, was so lacking in confidence, so shy, but on the other hand, managed to negotiate my way out of a maths class at high school because I was brutal at it and I could not do it. And it was ridiculously difficult for me. And we're not talking about higher maths. We are talking about low level entry intermediate maths. 
It was horrendous. Not a joy zone for me. It was outside my joy bubble. So I was so terrible at it that I actually helped the school see that I was going to impact their leaderboard level. Okay, this is like, looking back on it, I'm like, wow, like you were quite a badass at high school, Adele, and probably a big pain in the ass too. But when I attended my high school here in Scotland, I was always just one decision away from being able to really affect my own life. Would I continue to be in that maths class and be so deeply unhappy? I used to have the most horrendous anxiety that would come over before I would go into that class. I would sweat, my palms would be clammy, I would start to put myself forward into the catastrophizing brain space and that mindset of he's going to ask me to do the seven times table and stand up in front of the class and I'm not going to know how to do that and I'm going to feel humiliated so much so that I pretty much was the girl in that class that used to ask to get to the bathroom and he must have wondered what the hell was wrong with me because I was always on my period every single time like sorry I need to go to the bathroom so there was always these things that I would tell myself that I didn't want to be in there. I wasn't happy being there. I had had additional learning support needs for it and just could not pick up the concepts of why we would multiply letters. They're not numbers. And even to this day, I laugh about it, but I have not needed it. My school's leaderboard, this is quite interesting, were always one place behind the private academy. So there was us, which is a government-led school, and there was the private academy. My school always were striving to beat the academy. They were always one place behind on the leaderboard with the results. So I seen it as my opportunity to leverage that and negotiate my way out of maths to take beginner Spanish instead. The school did not offer Spanish. They offered French and German. I was already taking German. However, Back in the the olden days, when Adele was at high school, you had to take a science and languages were in there. Obviously, the sciences were in there. Maths was in there. So I had to pick a subject that sat within sciences that I could do whilst all my peers and fellow students were doing their maths. I actually went for one-to-one private Spanish lessons with the French teacher because she also spoke Spanish. There was no exam for Spanish. There was no curriculum for Spanish. It was just her and I being able to spend that single or double period together when I should have been in maths. So at that point, not knowing so, I was already becoming a boundary queen. I was already establishing what made me happy, what, you know, tickled my pickle, what let me be me. And it was not being in a maths class. So really interesting conversation that I was having with Clara, one of my twins yesterday, very similar situations are starting to come up. So it's interesting to see. It has a place in my heart that they are sitting, both my girls are sitting through maths class and not enjoying it. They know the basics. And in my mindset as a parent, I always say to the girls, if you do something in life that makes you happy, you will have a very fulfilling, happy and joyful life. And that is what life is about. Not about sitting unhappy and wasting life currency, doing something you do not love or do not enjoy or do not get pleasure from. When I look at this, on the one hand, I was that girl lacking in confidence and shy. And on the other hand, negotiated my way out of maths class because I was so terrible at it and helped the school to see that that would impact their leaderboard. They then agreed 
I had that agreement in place and everybody was happy. And I'm sharing this with you because at that time in my life, I was a real big perfectionist, a people pleaser and lacked so much confidence, but I didn't realise that I had such superpowers of my own and those powers helped me build boundaries. And I didn't know that's what they were called at that age. I would have been 14, maybe 15, and helped me to build a very happy and successful life that I now know is built around my values, my vision of those values and the boundaries that then protect them. I was never taught any of this. This is something that over the years I have read, I have learned and I have failed through and I want to share it with you and I want to give you my top 10 tips because you are able to do this as well. You are able to stand up and say no to people, to bosses, to clients and still be successful. Your business will not fail because you say no to someone. You will not lose your job because you say no to someone and I'm going to help hopefully, you to see that this over the next maybe 20 minutes inside the world of becoming a boundary queen of how you get to say no without actually using the letters N and O. So being a boundary queen with your time or your life currency, as I call it, and your energy means that effectively you are managing and protecting your precious resources to maintain your well-being and your productivity. So here are 10 tips to help you achieve this and avoid feeling trapped, unhappy, low energy, low mood, anxious, undervalued, underwhelmed with life. You know, and even at times, let's not even skirt around the fact that if you are living inside a boundaryless world, you are going to feel burnt out. You are going to feel, you know, less than, less than having achieved where you want to be in life. And that's a big thing. So let's start with number one. Self-awareness and self-prioritization. These are probably for me, the reason I'm highlighting them first is because they're the first thing that we must and have to have in place. We need to understand our personal values, goals and priorities. If you don't know them, you don't know what you're working to, therefore, how can you protect them with boundaries? And this awareness will guide you in setting those boundaries, the boundaries that align with what truly matters to you. Okay, not what matters to anyone else. It has to be what you value. And your values are different to your spouse or your parents or your children's or your friends or your career. They're different. They're yours. So how to do this? You must identify your top priorities in areas of your life that you deem important or have a large role in your life. And an example of this might be in your personal life or relationships. If they are valued, then these are a lens that we want to look through to then appreciate, well, what's the vision inside that thing you value and how do we protect them with your boundaries? It's the same with your business or career. So you can allocate your time and your energy accordingly. Okay, it's always important. And there's a powerful practice that I teach my clients through when we do onboarding with them. It's called a stop-start-continue model. I developed this from my time inside the corporate space and evolved it to become a very powerful positive psychology tool that helps us to establish where our energy and life currency is going out inside some key columns that we set together. Then it gives us the opportunity to redirect our life currency towards our values and away from that energy vampire that we can get sucked into. 
So an example of this might be one of your columns may be business or career. So for all my business ladies out there, you would title it as business. For all my career ladies, you would title it as career. And what we are establishing here is a brain dump of everything that you are thinking about, responsible for, project work, anything on your mind that is inside your business pillar, you are putting it in there. So an example of this might be that you have accountancy to do, that you have new client setup um, automations to build, that you have a new project your boss has asked you to spin up. All of these things you add into your business or career pillar. Then what you're going to do is you're going to look at that and you're going to say, okay, so which of these items or things listed are absolutely non-negotiable, they must continue and it has to be me that does them. No one else can do them. You will highlight those in orange. They're going to continue. Then what you're going to do is you're going to take a red pen and every single thing that has left on that page that has not been circled or highlighted in orange, you're going to highlight in red. These are the things that you choose to either put a pin in and stop or delegate to someone else. And this is where we get to then drop off, cut the cords of the things that do not align to our values, towards our vision. And this is just one small step within the stop, start, continue that you get to see where your life currency and energy are going out with, where you value your time going. So I would love for you to consider doing the stop, start, continue if that feels good. Certainly a step within getting clarity on where your life currency is going out. Moving on to number two, clear communication. It's mad to think that we automatically as babies start to learn language. We learn language through watching, through listening, through trying, through experiencing. Language is not just spoken, it's also in facial expressions, it's also in our body language. It's in the things that we do and how we show up. But we are never ever taught how to clearly communicate. Just blows my mind. So being assertive and communicating your boundaries clearly to others is really important, but if we don't know how to do that, it can carry with it an element of you maybe being told that you're being too assertive or you're being abrupt, or actually that was quite cold the way that you delivered that. So whether it's saying no to additional tasks at work or setting limits with friends and family, this effective communication is vital. You get to express your needs and your limits with respect, of course, but you get to do it confidently and without guilt or an apology. Okay, you are entitled to say no, but here's how you can do that if you don't want to actually say the word no. Example number one, your boss comes to you with a new project they want you to take on. Okay, you're already rammed and unable to effectively or efficiently build this new project into your schedule. So you respond with this. That's excellent. Thank you so much for the opportunity to run with this. I love it as we have projects A, B and C also spinning right now and each of them are due to deliver on day, day, month, month, year, year. Which of the in-flight projects would you like me to stand down for now in order to take this one on or are you happy that I push this new piece out to day, day, month, month, year, year to accommodate it inside my available schedule? Okay, so what we're saying here is ultimately amazing. I am absolutely happy to take that on board. I don't actually have the time to do it right now because I'm doing all these other things. Which of them are we putting a pin in? Or this new one, are you happy we slide it out into three months time or a month's time or next year? So you get to own 
when you say you will do it. Example number two, your family member has high expectations of you being there to support them and take them to appointments or to their work. And they ask you if you can help them by taking them to the shops on Saturday, but you already have self-care's appointment time booked in for yourself and you've been looking forward to it, you've been needing it. Instead of saying no to them, which by the way, you absolutely can do if you feel that that's the best way to communicate it, you can simply advise them that you'd love to help them, but in order to take you to the shops, I would need to cancel my self-care slot and that would push my boundary because it's part of my health routine this week. I will, however, be free before it or after it and can drop you then. So which time would you prefer? And give them a time. Now, I use these often and have regularly had conversations with family members whereby they massively respect the way that I say no without saying no and understand that I'm always there for them as a support to them. So it doesn't prevent people asking for you to support them. But what it does do is it helps me to make decisions for my diary. Okay, so an example would be that if my granny phones me and needs something, she never expects that it will happen immediately because the boundaries are there between us both. But she gives me plenty of notice of what she wants or needs and by when. Sometimes it's, uh, there's no rush for this, just when you're free. But given that she won't be with me for much longer, I drop things to flex for her and be there for her because she's valued and a priority to me. And it's the same when it comes to my twin girls, but there are strong boundaries there because I'm not there to just be, okay, to just be their taxi, to just be their slave, to just be their Revolut payment person, yeah, their Revolut banker. I'm not there for all of those things, although I am. There are set boundaries around all of that. So we get to hold that respect space for ourselves, but we also get to be in charge of flexing things and looking at it in line of what do we value? I value my relationship with my granny. I value my relationship with my girls and I will always be there for them. But sometimes it has to be, a, I'm not available for that right this minute. Give me half an hour or give me a day or give me a week. Number three, protect your time, your life currency. Saying no is a powerful skill and it allows you to protect your time and energy for activities that are most important to you, like we've just covered in point number two. So using time management skills is going to be your best friend in this case. Use time management techniques to make the most of your days or your weeks. And one of my favorites is time blocking, but it's ensuring that there's white space in there. Okay, make sure you do not time block your entire day back to back. Leave white space in there for you so that you can look at that time slot and say, hmm, in a mindful moment, so you're present, what do I want right now? Yeah, do I want to go a walk? Do I want to go and watch that program I'm watching on Netflix? Do I want to just go and get another cup of tea or coffee? Or do I want to quickly phone a friend? That white space is so vital within your time blocking because it is your downtime to be present, to connect in with you and to feel what it's like when you pour into you. Am I happy right now? Do a body scan. Does anything feel tight or tension right now? Do I need to do a breath work right now? Do I insert thing that brings you joy? right now. Number four, delegate and collaborate. So we've touched on this a little bit in terms of the stop, start, continue in point one, but I also want to look at this from a place of don't ever hesitate to delegate tasks when appropriate, whether it's at work or in personal life. 
This is where the stop start continue really truly opens your eyes and enables this to be super effective. Trust me with this. Delegating can free up valuable time and energy for more valuable and value-led responsibilities. And we want to look at this from a collaboration point of view. With others, we get to ask for help and we get to share the load and create a support system that is valuable to us and to them. You get to look at who you have around you. You get to ask them for support. That might be family or friends or neighbours, service-led businesses such as a gardener or a cleaner or personal PA. You get to delegate and collaborate. Number five, protect your downtime. In fact, I'm going to say here, guard your personal time and your downtime so fiercely. Set boundaries around when work ends and when personal time begins. And if you're working from home, I invite you to have your work in an area of the house that is not used for social or downtime activities where possible. Okay, your emotional connection to this space that it sees that this area of the home becomes your workplace rather than your home. So we therefore need to have it um, set up in a way where it's possible that you are able to see it as, for example, your home office, close the door at the end of the day, or put away your things and bring out your candles and plants and, you know, all the things that make the area beautiful as a beautiful space for social and personal time when work finishes. Don't just leave all your work stuff strewn across the dining table until the next day. Okay, It commandeers the energy of the room and you will start to see that as work. So instead, take responsibility for making the space a workspace and making sure that you have clear boundaries between that and your personal space. You're also going to want to build in a morning and end of day commute to tell your body and brain that work is now over, the house that you are entering back into is now your social time house. Point number six, self-cares. Ooh, it's a big one. It's the one I love dearly. Create a relaxing evening routine and allocate time for your hobbies, for things that bring you joy. I regularly say to clients, what is in your joy bubble for today? Yeah, what are we doing for ourselves? Okay, and spending quality time with those that you love. This is important for the chemical release inside your body, but also for social safety. Avoid excessive screen time. And we know all of this, right? We still do it. So I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy for this to happen. Just avoid going on screens and everything's going to be great. But it's important to understand that if you choose to spend all day every day working and on screens when you should actually be living your life, we have to ask the question of, am I actually living? And that might sound harsh, but I'm going to say this with love. I'm coming in here quite straight down the line that if you are working five, six or seven days a week, and not enjoying your social time and life adventure time, what is your life opportunity all about right now? Question mark. You're not living. You're existing to work and nobody loves their work that much. So I'm calling the BS and I truly hope that that triggered the F out of you hearing that because this is your awakening point. Point six is about are you truly living your life or are you existing inside something that you do not deem to be working towards your vision. Number seven, set social media and technology boundaries. So in today's digital age, it's essential to set boundaries around your technology and screen time. Okay, got that. Yeah, tick the box. But it's also vital to know that what you choose and who you choose to follow and how much you choose to engage and what you engage with 
is your choice. Nobody forces you. Nobody tells you you have to. You make the choice. So allocate specific times for checking things like emails and social media and consider turning off notifications during your focus time or relaxation windows. And this helps you reclaim time and prevents technology from draining your energy and happiness. And a little insight into how I personally manage my social media accounts. When I choose to follow someone, I choose to do so because of one of these three things. Number one. Can I learn from them because they are more knowledgeable than me in an area? If yes, I will follow. If no, I will not. Number two, they inspire me to be better and sometimes trigger me. Number three, they make me laugh or happy. An example, Henry the Colorado dog on Instagram. And if they don't fall inside any of these three, I choose not to follow them or consume their content. It's simple. It's not because I don't like them. I don't know most of them. It's not because I'm not being a, you know, I'm not being a bitch. It's not because I'm, I'm there going, oh yeah, I don't like them. I don't know them. And I'm not being a bitch. It's because I respect my life currency so much and protect the energy around it so much that if they don't hit the marker of any of these one, two or three, no follow, no consumption. Number eight, practice being present daily. Prioritize being present in your mind, your body and your spirit whether it's through meditation, exercising, reading, might even just be simply taking quiet moments to be reflective. These are essential for maintaining your energy and your mental clarity. So schedule regular self-care sessions into your routine and protect this time. Okay, if it's state self-cares, it's locked. It's in there, it's non-negotiable. And no, I will not book that meeting over my self-care slot not happening. It's in there. It's in the roots. Number nine, learn to handle guilt. Oh, it's a big one. Here we go. So this is a difficult one for us as humans because we learn from a young age that when we do something perceived as wrong or upsetting another human, that we should feel ashamed or feel guilty. Okay, setting and enforcing boundaries can sometimes trigger feelings of guilt. And it's crucial to recognise that taking care of yourself and your needs is not selfish. Nothing to feel ashamed or guilty about. So practising self-compassion and reminding yourself that setting these boundaries is healthy, it's a healthy way to protect your well-being and ultimately enables you to be more available and present for others. Okay, I have this saying with clients that truly supports when guilt arises and it will and it does and it won't go away because we've learned to be guilty. My saying is, I can't be your rock if I'm crumbling. You ultimately cannot show up as anyone else's rock if you are crumbling. Nobody else is going to hold you up. You are responsible for you and the choices you make. So be present and know that guilt comes from not truly knowing your values and boundaries. So maybe you need to look at some vision values and boundaries work for this one. And finally, number 10, a periodic review or potentially some adjustments. Your boundaries may need adjusting over time as your priorities and your circumstances evolve and change and develop. And as you up-level the F out of your life, as you become more emotionally intelligent, so too do your values and boundaries. Periodically reviewing your boundaries to ensure that they still align with your goals and your vision and your values. So be flexible and willing to adapt when necessary and don't be afraid to revisit them. 
Your boundaries will suit you better as you evolve if you revisit them. So being a boundary queen requires practice and consistency Um, It's about valuing your life currency, your energy, respecting your own limits and advocating for your well-being and health, if that's a value of yours, of course. But by implementing these 10 tips that I've just shared with you, there's probably many more, but these were the ones that really came to mind when I thought about this episode. You can become more effective in managing your resources and living a very balanced, very fulfilled and happy life. And this is what leads to that happy life is having these boundaries in place that protect your vision for your life and your values and around it. So if you're still a little lost or need some further help with this, please seek support and accountability. You get to share your boundary setting goals with a trusted friend. You can do it together, a family member, a colleague even. Um, They can provide support and hold you accountable. Or if you truly want to become a boundary queen, allow me to mentor you inside my energy and my mentorship program for women like you. Having someone who understands your objectives, can guide your vision and boundaries, can help you to stay committed to maintaining your boundaries, especially when faced with challenges or temptations to overextend yourself. That's what I'm here for. So just ask. Okay. And remember that being a boundary queen is an ongoing process requires self-awareness, practice and resilience. And by consistently implementing these tips and fine-tuning your boundaries over time, you can enhance your overall well-being, happiness and productivity, which in turn can help with your overall success in maintaining a healthy life. Yeah, that work-life balance thing we talk about. So if you want to go inside this space, I am inviting you to do so with me. Simply click the link in the show notes, open up an email and send me the words boundary queen. That easy, that simple, and that's how we get to ask for help. You don't need to write me a big email, you just need to write the words boundary queen, and I will come back to you. So I truly hope you've enjoyed this episode and can take something away from it. If you are listening to this as a coach inside the women's health space, or you are supporting females in your line of work, then I'm inviting you to add your details to the Menopause Support Coach Certification Waitlist link for our next intake. We cover so much inside the course, which is fully CPD and Active IQ certified, accredited and double menopause doctor endorsed. It's very decorated. So if you're serious about supporting women in menopause, you absolutely need to come certify with us inside the MSCC. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, be a boundary queen. Set your goals for yourself around what this looks like and don't be afraid to ask for help. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing. To help keep these episodes coming, please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power. Because together, we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.